You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Good morning, Josiah. Good morning, Ethan. How are you doing today? Fine. I was just double-checking my phone slash watch to make say, sure... It looked like it was on your wrist, in fact. ...that I was on Do Not Disturb mode. Oh. Because... You know I am, but my laptop volume is max. <laughs> so I'm going to fix that right now. Yeah, <laughs> see? Because in times past... Yeah. Things have Alerted. rung? Would that be the correct rung? My phone rang. Rang. Yeah, that's how I would say it. Things. My. It was, it was yep. ringing. <laughs> I don't know. Let's just say things were ringing. Things we're, were going to do that. Just ringing off the hook. They were. They were mm. ringing off the hook, which is. Rung that's a is. Funny, a, rung is. I feel like is it's like exclusively like, a ladder. And. Uh, oh, W R U N G. Yeah, you and you also have that. Like, like you've I've, rung you've a. You've rung the clothes. Yeah. In the 18th century. Yes. <laughs> but you just said. Ringing off the hook. Yeah, I feel like within a generation, that expression will make no sense because. Oh, that's true. There will be no wall-mounted receiver. My daughter will never know what that looks like. Exactly. Ever, she will not grow up in a. The only the only disadvantage is that she'll never know the feeling of hanging up aggressively. That is true. But you know what? She's probably better for it. Probably. I was just thinking, as you said that, I've not hung up aggressively probably ever, but at least in like. Yeah. Because even in recent years. We didn't have like a wall-mounted receiver at my home, my parents' home. We a cordless. Had, yeah, cordless. So you beep. can't. Yeah, just you like, know, it's like beep. really aggressive beep. <laughs> you could slam it down to the receiver, but, but that's only for you. Yeah. Like they don't, they're not going to know yeah. anyway. Mm. Well, that's good stuff. Good content, people. That that's is good what, content. That's, that's what you come here for, right? <laughs> you come here for the opening two minutes of banter where we talk about really random things. Oh, feels good. Like that. You should hear the conversations we have before we start recording. <laughs> it's even more insane. <laughs> Yes, it is. But you know what's not insane? The solas. Yeah, there we go. They're not. They're they're very sane. Yeah. On a positive note. They, they ground us. They do ground us. Mm. Yes. And we are now today pressing on to the fourth of those Reformation solas. Nice. The fourth is sola fide, hmm. which means by faith alone. Sola fide. So funny you should mention this because last time I was thinking about how Italian it sounded. This one feels anthemic. It yeah. feels like a national slogan of like revolutionary France. Yeah. That's what I think of. It does. That, thank it does goodness that I'm here sound. to give those <laughs> observations. Really bring in useful knowledge. Um, well, you get a little um, taste of that phrase in the Marine Corps slogan, which is Semper Fidelis. Okay. Which is uh, always faithful. Oh. And we have Sola Fide. Good. By faith alone. So yes, French Revolution, Marine Corps, and what Protestant Reformation. All these things are very hardcore, <laughs> very intense. That's uh, true. Is what I'm gathering they have in common. But mm. sola fide, here is a one-sentence summary of this doctrine. Sola fide means that we receive the benefits and work of Christ on our behalf solely by trusting in Christ alone. Hmm. That's the shorthand definition. And uh, it really goes hand in hand with sola gratia, by grace alone, as uh, we shall see during the course of this discussion, and as I'm sure you can already kind of deduce just from the definition itself. But well, yeah. Also, I, I mean, at least from this layman's perspective at the beginning of the podcast, it kind of sounds like a blend of, of sola gratia and solus Christus. Mm. Because yeah. you said, in, mm-hmm. in that sentence, you said, Christ alone. Yes. So I'm. I don't. I have to assume there's a very specific difference because they don't just write up new solas very flippantly. Yes. They stopped at five. <laughs> so there's probably a reason. Yes. Yes. So this sola in particular has more to do with the instrument for receiving the benefits mm-hmm. that we would talk about with sola gratia or the grounds by which we discuss solus Christus. So I think I'm going to need some flashcards when this yes, is all over. That's it. Yes, we will need the flashcards. We will have a final examination when this podcast series is over. In order to listen to further podcasts, you will have to pass the examination. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's a joke. That's a joke. Yeah, so to extrapolate on that a little bit, when we say that we receive the benefits and work of Christ by trusting in Christ, what we are saying is that we are forgiven our sins on the one hand, and then we are reckoned or counted righteous in God's sight by faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. we got forgiveness on the one hand and being counted righteous on the other hand. So faith is not a work, all right, nor do we need to add works to it. All right, that would kind of defeat the whole phrase, you know, salvation is not by works. <laughs> like yeah, that would anyone be, should boast. Mm, so, like, would faith confuse is, the issue. Yeah, it's not it's not a work. It is a simple trust in Jesus. He forgives us, he counts us righteous. And the shorthand term for talking about that exchange where our sins are forgiven and Christ's righteousness is given to us is justification, which is a legal term, actually. It was a term that was borrowed from the legal courts of ye olden days. I did not realize. Yeah. So in other words, in the court of God's law, we've been declared not guilty for the crimes that we were charged with. Very much, yes. And we have been set free from the punishment of our sin because Christ stood in our place. And in fact, we are counted as righteous and can attain to the kingdom of God and all the blessings that that entails. So opposed to the previous solace that I mentioned, this is about, at least it sounds like the relationship between justification and faith. Yes, precisely. Okay, we're getting there. precisely the nature of the, the distinction. So as I said earlier, theologians would call faith then the instrument of our justification. Okay. So that is to say that faith alone is how we receive it. That's okay. how we receive justification. So an illustration that is sometimes used is faith is the open hand which receives God's gifts. Mm-hmm. Right? You're not going to say like your open hand is like, oh, that was like, oh, that was a work that I did that contributed to the fact that like it's just you have an open hand. You're completely reliant upon God to give you what he has of himself. Faith is just the open hand that receives it. So like in Sola Gratia, we're not earning it. We're not meriting it. We're simply receiving it as a gift. And the text that the Apostle Paul goes back to in order to prove this doctrine is Genesis 15, 6. And he says, And Abraham believed God, and God counted it to him as righteousness. So Abraham's simple faith in God is sufficient to receive God's righteousness. And as Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. So again, you see that kind of instrumentality there. It's like you get the grace, you get the salvation through faith. This is not your own doing. So again, that's where the whole it's not a work comes into. This is not your own doing. It is all the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. So can I try and poke holes in something? Because ultimately I want to understand it. Yes. No, please do. I welcome it. (laughs) Slightly off topic, but it it is related because it almost sounds like faith is required to Mm -hmm. benefit or receive gifts from God. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Um, I would ever find myself thinking that mm-hmm. in in plain terms. Yeah. But is that what we're saying? Faith is required to receive gifts full stop? So let me make sure I'm understanding. When you use the word gifts, are you meaning like anything good from God, See, from God's hand? That's actually what I'm getting to. Okay. Uh, exactly that. Because yeah. I think you said something about it being the open hand from which we, or through which we receive or by, okay, don't test me on the exact <laughs> See, No, language. no, no, you're fine. <laughs> but, you know, gifts from God. Mm-hmm. But how specific is that? Are we really specifically talking about righteousness and salvation, like those things? Yes. Okay. So that was a good qualifier there because I think we talked about this actually in the episode on Sola Gratia. The most impenitent blasphemer can enjoy the good gift of- Exactly what I was thinking. Coffee. The common nice grace weather. thing. 
Yes. So when we are talking about faith and receiving that gift specifically, like what Paul mentioned in Ephesians, we're talking specifically about the gift of salvation. And with faith, even more specifically, we're talking about that justification okay. that you drew out earlier. That's the specific thing we're receiving. Because there, yeah, like you just said, there are lots of people who don't have any faith and they receive and enjoy all, all kinds of, of things. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like I can enjoy coffee as much as the, yeah. you know, the, the pagan next door. My friend is literally neighbors with an Odinist. If you didn't wow. know, they, they apparently still exist somehow. But like, I uh, would, for mostly reasons of curiosity, like to be neighbors with yeah, an Odinist. Yeah, just, you know, know what, find out. Apparently he doesn't actually know much about his own Well, that's own faith, so much not you know, like, I want to know, like. I would end up knowing more than him. You no, know, that, that's your ironic thing. studying like, out of anxiety so I say the right words. Like, yeah. hail, have you seen a raven on this morn? Yeah, and he'd be like, what does ravens have to do with it? But oh, what my, my friend, word. Like, what? You know, I feel like if you're noticing, oh, yeah. you, you got to know about the ravens. You don't know anything about Norse mythology, clearly. So, yes, that was a good qualifier <laughs> on your part there. Now, this doctrine differentiates us from our Catholic cousins in a couple of ways. Namely, they would say that you need faith plus works in order to be justified and that Christ's righteousness is infused Hmm. into the believer rather than imputed to the believer, which, oh, a lot of different words there. There are some so words. We got to we they, probably, I, you know. They begin with I. <laughs> and they end with E-D, and that's, that's about it. <laughs> so the first difference is probably a little bit self-explanatory. They're saying that faith alone cannot receive Christ's righteousness, okay. which is where we're, you know, sola fide, Meaning, by faith alone. Yeah. They are saying you need to have works alongside it in order right. to receive it. Which, you know, I think raises naturally a couple questions. Like, at which point do you know whether or not you've done enough of the works to be justified? Yeah, we, I, I feel like you need some sort of metric that says you're you're good enough now, now that you've done X, Y, and Z. Like, yeah. you've unlocked the achievement. Yes. <laughs> I'm not... Ding! Comes <laughs> over the top of your, like, HUD or something, you know? Exactly. And, and I'm not even saying that to, like, bash someone. Right. I really don't know what the logical conclusion of that would be. And I know, at least myself, I would be a slave to that. Yes. And that will actually come up here, I think, in just a bit, because when we talk about the difference between infusion of righteousness and imputation of righteousness, you get into all kinds of stuff there, because what we as Protestants claim is that at the moment of true faith in Christ, his righteousness is counted to you. So that's, you know, a legal accounting term. We would say that you receive his righteousness. Theologians would call it an alien righteousness is what they would say. Ooh, I like that. Um, it would be, this is, you know, any analogy breaks down, but like, it would be as if, well, like in the book of Zechariah, when the priest Joshua is clothed in a white garment, that white garment is given to him by the Lord. It is like, basically, that's like the Lord's garment, like, and he clothes him in it. And he's like, now you are, you're, you're the temporary is, holder of this. Yes. So that more or less would be imputation. Like when God looks at us and it's all said and done, we are offering Christ's righteousness to him. And he accepts that offering, if that makes sense. Now, that of course means that it's not your righteousness. Rome, on the other hand, would claim that righteousness is infused into the believer, which is to say that you yourself possess your own righteousness now. Infused. Why are we infused now? Like, I mean... <sighs> Is that suggesting that the righteousness that is, is received because it's been earned and it's now yours to possess? There is a certain sense in which that is true. And okay. that like when you basically, to flip it a little bit now, like when you look at God, you are going to offer him your righteousness mm. now. Which you can, again, I think you can see where eh, now suddenly there are more problems that is, arise from that. So is the notion of infusion like this is now part of your identity? Yes. Like, okay. So like whereas Christ's righteousness is like what they called an alien righteousness, it is given to 
into you, but it's not in you and of you, right? Like right. it's, um, again, a gross analogy, but it's, it's kind of like laid over top of you, yeah. right? They're saying, no, no, no. Now you are righteous. Like mm. you yourself, by yourself, have righteousness to offer to God. Okay. Which again, you know, Isaiah is saying like, well, our righteousness is like filthy rags. Exactly. And like, well, you can't get them clean enough and all these things. And uh, that actually is a very big deal. I know that sounds maybe like we're kind of nitpicking a little bit. If you think about it, just like on those terms, like well, the, the attitude like behind it is, is very distinct. Yes. And if you continue to follow the implications from that teaching, that's actually one of the reasons the Catholic Church forbids the official stance of the Catholic Church, and I'm not trying to, you know, like make them out to be like evil people, but they do, they're being consistent. They forbid any teaching about assurance of salvation. Their claim is that you cannot know because of these things. Hmm. You cannot know until the very end whether or not you will finally be saved because you can't know whether you're truly justified until the end. Because my entire metric system. Yes, yes. And because you can't be sure of your own righteousness until the very end, therefore you cannot know and have any assurance of whether or not you will finally be saved. And therefore, it is anathema to teach that anyone can know for certain whether they're going to be saved. That is like living in the anxiety that I had as like a fourth grader. No, I mean, that really is like that's to bring us back to the original spark of the Reformation, Martin Luther. That was why he went so far as in his Catholic days to say, I hated God because he just could not get any ground on whether or not he would actually be saved or not. He just couldn't know. That's why he spent, you know, six hours with his confessors because like, I have to make sure I confess every sin. And now yeah. I'm worried that I'm not confessing it from the heart and have I'm like, am I righteous enough? And why isn't everyone under the sun doing this? Yeah, exactly. And that was actually his point. It's like, if everyone actually saw this, we would all be doing this. Like, yeah. we would all be trembling. But coming back to the Protestant Reformation and the solas, we teach assurance because we believe that at the moment of saving faith, you are justified once and for all, and you've received Christ's righteousness forever, plain and simple. Mm. Now, there are some misconceptions that Protestants have about this doctrine. For instance, sola fide does not mean that we are justified by faith as such. You Like in a vague, hands-off sort of sense? Right, exactly. So in other words, your faith needs an object. Mm. You can't just have faith in the mechanics of the universe and must be saved, uh, to steal a little line from uh, Tenet. <laughs> yeah. right? You yeah, can't just yeah, have yeah. this generic sense of faith. Like, I have faith. Like, faith in what? Because like, I feel like at a basic level, everyone has some sort of ambiguous faith in some notion. Yes. I mean, everyone, when it's all said and done, has you know either faith in that, mechanics of the universe, evolutionary theory, faith in their own ability to overcome things, anything like that. You have to and trust something. It doesn't always weigh so much. Right. Exactly. <laughs> in some of these situations. Yes. So what we're saying here is that if you want faith that saves you, that faith, sola fide, needs to be in Christ. And this is, in fact, what separates us from the demons, because James tells us even the demons believe. Mm-hmm. They, they know that God is real and God is one, and they tremble. They know that God exists, but they don't love him or trust him. And what we're saying is, that's what we do. Yeah. We not only believe he exists and are afraid of him, we know that he loves us and that we can, by his help, love him and be received into his kingdom. Um, so that's one common misconception. The other common misconception, and this is the one I think that I come into contact with more frequently, is that the strength of our faith determines our standing before God. Yeah. You run into that a lot, especially, you know, like if things are not going well, it's like, well, your faith just like you didn't have enough or it wasn't strong enough. Exactly. Which is not true. Mm -mm. God accepts, as Jesus said, faith even as small as a mustard seed, which is 
That's nothing. You look at a mustard seed and like, that's nothing. It's that nothing. is absolutely nothing. Mm. But God accepts it. And I think a final closing illustration might help us grasp this whole doctrine and everything we've been talking about. Okay. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. But imagine it's the night of the Passover in Egypt. Ooh. Okay. And there are two Israelites, they're neighbors, and they're, they're painting the lamb's blood on their doorposts. And one turns to his neighbor and asks, are you afraid? And that neighbor replies, no, I have full confidence in God. Of course, I'm like, he's, he is like bold. He's feeling it. And and the other one says, well, oh, I feel like my heart is going to explode. I'm, I'm really rather quite nervous about all this. <laughs> quite nervous, he says. <laughs> I mean, if you had any notion of what was about to take place, I can't say I blame you. Yes. And you, and you think like at all points so far, the Israelites did not have to worry about these plagues. Like God was just like, yeah, I'm directing That's the right. plagues, you know, to the Egyptians. But now he's saying, if you don't do this, Buckle up. the destroyer will come to you too. Oh so that suddenly new. But you got one guy who's saying, I trust the promises of God. We're going to be fine. The other guy's like, I'm really nervous. But they both finish painting the doorposts and they go inside their houses. One has a very strong faith. One obviously has a very weak faith. But the question is, who on that night is saved? Mm-hmm. Both of them, right? Yeah. Both of them are saved because it is not the strength of our faith that matters. It is the object of our faith mm-hmm. that matters. Very grateful for that, you know. Some days are uh, certainly easier than others. And what I really mean to say is some years are easier than 2020. <laughs> But really, I mean, I I do sympathize with that that idea because I I feel like I would be torn between I really kind of want to watch what this looks like and I really hope I can actually get two seconds of sleep tonight. Yes. (laughs) Because a lot of people are going to be dead in the morning. Like that's... Yes. Yes. And I mean, that's even... I mean, you take that out to its further implications. This is something that, you know, in my darker moments that I fear is I look at my own life Mm -hmm. and I think there's no way. Like I just... (laughs) You know, like I get angry over the same things. You know, I've acted impatiently towards my family over the same things. Like not to mention all like the terrible thoughts deep down in the darker parts of my heart. Of course. Sure. And sometimes I'm thinking like I'm nervous about that. Like I just don't know what that says about me. And there is a, I think, a place where, you know, like if you're continuing to sin and do these things, like you ought to examine yourself. But the promise is if you are covered, if, if the blood of the Lamb of God covers the doorposts of your heart, so to speak, your faith may be weak. Maybe, maybe you may have the weakest faith in all of the world right now at this moment. Like, you may be the singular person. Someone in the world has the weakest someone, faith. Someone, someone does. Oh. Someone does. And even if that's you, it doesn't matter because yeah, as long as mm. you are covered by the blood of Christ, God will accept that faith. He will accept any confession of sin that you offer to him. All of that, you're covered. You are just as saved as the person who is so strong in their faith that they are like ready to charge the gates of hell. And all of that. And I just, I do, as you said, I find that comforting. Yeah, really. I remember that because there are days where I'm like, oof, I don't know, man. I'm kind of nervous, you know? <laughs> like, nope. Believe in Christ. I've been justified. His blood covers me. I'm forgiven and righteous because of Christ. Well, thank God for that. Amen. And that, in a nutshell, is sola fide. So, hopefully you were encouraged by that, dear listeners. And uh, if you have any questions on that or any other topic, please feel free to email us, podcast at horizonschurch.net. You can interact with us on social media. And if you did find this encouraging and helpful, you can leave us an honest five-star review. Mm. Only kind of honest. It's the only kind of five. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Mm.